Welcome to the Fit40 Podcast, where we take all the confusing, conflicting fitness and nutrition information and break it down so that you can live your healthiest, strongest, most energized life. I'm your host, Brian Fitzsimmons. Let's get it started. Welcome back. This week, I was fortunate enough to be a guest on my friend Anthony Pluff's podcast, Fatherhood Fitness Podcast. Now, I know my podcast is all for moms over 40. His is all for dads. Now, together, we just combined and came up with a ton of great tips for parents in general that are over 40. Now, if you find something useful in this episode and you are actually going to use it and you start doing it, make sure to let me and Anthony know by taking a screenshot of the podcast, tagging us, and letting us know exactly what it is that you're doing and how it's going so far. So without further ado, here it is. Enjoy. All right. Welcome in to this week's episode of the Fatherhood Fitness Podcast. We have Brian Fitzsimmons with us today. Brian was with us back in October, episode 37. So he's back with us today. I'll let him introduce himself, and then we're going to jump right in. Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, I'm also known by Coach Fitz with two Zs. Um, That might be where you see me on the interwebs. But yeah, I train moms 40 plus and help them to trim body fat, get stronger, and feel incredible. Awesome. Yeah, appreciate you jumping on today. I know... Um, you work, you, you specifically work with, you know, moms over 40, but you have lots of experience working with, uh, you know, different populations and stuff, dads included as well. And, you know, although, you know, there are differences between, uh, moms and dads when it comes to training, nutrition, things like that. A lot of the things that, you know, we're going to cover, we're going to talk about are very applicable to both, right? We, there's, I think there's a misconception sometimes that, you know, women need to do one thing, men need to do another, but for 99% of people, you know, you could probably get away uh, with doing the exact same thing and still get great results. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, the only thing that really changes a whole lot with men to women is preferences other than like the stuff that works, works. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things, you know, just kind of getting started, kind of staying consistent with fitness and things like that, you know, as, you know, as, as a dad, you know, my, my life has gotten significantly more busy over the past couple of years, you know, uh, we have three kids now in less, less than four years. And I know a lot of your clients, um, you know, have, have kids as well. You know, they're, they're busy, they're working full time. By the time they get home, you know, the last thing they want to do is sit there and prepare an entire meal. I, I used to always kind of joke around with my wife, like, I, I hate cooking, because it takes me 10 minutes to eat the meal. It takes an hour and a half to cook it and stuff. I have backed off that approach a little bit, but you know, w- once you get home from work and by the time you do sit down for dinner and finally relax, like how do you even get started? Like wh- where do you begin to start even thinking about fitness? Yeah. I mean, for a lot of people, I know like with a lot of my clients, By the time dinner rolls around, it's pretty much like not a lost cause, but it's kind of at that point where it's like, it just isn't consistent. Like it takes a lot of willpower at that point. So what we try to do, like, especially um, considering like we usually aim for like two to four workouts per week. So if the schedule is truly that nuts, like aiming for the two days to be Saturday, Sunday usually works out pretty well, but usually sometimes like when, uh, 
kids have their schedules when it comes to sports and things like that. If it's just a practice, you don't need to be at practice. I mean, if you want to, great. But I mean, if you have a free hour while your kids are doing their thing, you go and do yours. So drop the kids off at practice, you go to the gym. Ideally, I mean, that's assuming that it all lines up perfectly. But another thing that works out well is just like working with the time constraints that you have. So like, let's say, I mean, you only have 10, 20 minutes. Usually there's a few pockets like that during the day. And even though we say something's going to take an hour or 30 minutes, it's usually not that long. So when you have that free time in between tasks, like that 10, 20 minutes, doing these micro workouts, maybe once or twice a day, that pretty much can add up to a full workout. So doing things like that, or at the very like most extreme end with somebody who's had like the world's craziest schedule. I've suggested doing things like uh, for anybody who's familiar with strong first or um, uh, Russian kettlebell certification, they have a concept called grease the groove where basically you pick one exercise to do the entire day and you don't do it to the point where you get tired. You don't do it to the point where form suffers, but you do a bunch of repetitions during the day. So Prime example is like a pull-up. So you put a pull-up bar somewhere in your house. Like say you're working from home. Every time you go to take a, a leak or anything like that, you hop up, do a pull-up with strict form. Boom, that's one. And then you go do your thing, go work. And then next time you get up to get a drink, crank out a pull-up. And you do that throughout the day when you have breaks. So you're not getting tired. You're perfecting the pull-up and you're building some muscle and getting stronger. And you're able to do that pretty much with whatever the schedule throws at you. Yeah, no, I think you touched on a lot of good things there. You know, if you if your two days of working out are only Saturday and Sunday, like I think that's great. You know, it's uh, we we like to call them the weekend warriors, but yes. you know, it, it kind of, it kind of has a negative connotation. But there, there's nothing negative about that at all. Like ideally, ideally, maybe you could throw another one in during the week. But we all go through phases in life, and you know, there there are times you know it's just not going to happen. And what you said there too about just you know picking one exercise and uh, just kind of doing it throughout the day. I um, didn't intentionally do this or that's not what my mindset was, but like, that's literally how I got started into like strength training and muscle building when I was younger. I think I was like middle school. I bought um, the perfect push-up handles. Oh, I love those I, things. <laughs> yeah, they're all, I still have the original ones. I have the same ones I had <laughs> since then, but uh, I used to like in the summertime, not in school, you know, I don't have practice or anything. Um, and so during the day I would play uh, PlayStation. I would play like MLB the show or something like that. And Classic. I, was like, I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to be down here, if I'm going to be down here playing, well, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do something too. Like I just came up with this on my own. And after every inning, after every inning I played, I did 10 pushups. And so like that adds up a lot, you know, and I got like, I yep. got, pretty strong literally just doing push-ups when I play I mean you can either look that as I was doing a lot of push-ups or playing a lot of PlayStation but you know thing, things like that I think are great you know getting up like you said getting up and go to the bathroom you know do a couple do a couple squats you know do do a couple pull-ups or something somebody somebody asked me that uh one, one of our friends her and her husband were kind of talking about um you know kind of things like that she said every time Every time I like brush my teeth, I go to the bathroom or something. Um, I, I do calf raises and squats. Does that count as exercise? And I said, well, absolutely. <laughs> like, she's like, well, I'm not doing that much. So I'm like, well, that's okay. How many times do you go to the bathroom? If you're like me, I'm chugging water all day. Like I, I'm going to the bathroom multiple. You can get a great 
work on it. And I, I think, it's, you know, it's that, almost like a step count. It all adds up. Exactly. And that, that's why I always say like with a step count, right? You go cut your own grass. Like that counts as steps. You don't have to go for a 30 minute walk, like just move that. And, and that's, I think that's important too, is kind of like what you said to these micro workouts, these short workouts. I, I think that's something where you really have to have a mindset shift, right? Um, because ideally, like, I mean, I, I'm kind of the same way. Like I used to be like, if I can't get my entire workout, I don't want to do any of it. Right. I'll, I'll do it tomorrow yeah. or something. And I've, I've really gotten away from that. And like, I, I try and go on a walk every single day, but I care more about that step count. I care more about my movement, right? There's times where I will go on a walk and I'm like, yeah, I went on a walk this morning. Uh, the sun wasn't even up yet. I feel pretty good. And at the end of the day, I was like, well, that's about all I did today because I was sitting yeah. in a chair. And so it's, I think, you know, just things like that. I, I think movement I, for, and especially for parents, I think movement is probably going to be more of a priority than strict hour long workouts each week. Absolutely. And I mean, as trainers, like, especially on like social media, we latch on to these like guidelines where it's like, you got to get six to 10 sets per muscle group. You got to be doing two to four days a week in the gym. You got to be like pushing it to an RPE eight. You got to be doing this, got to be doing that. But at the end of the day, none of that matters if you can't pull it off. So, I mean, I was just talking with one of my clients day or two ago and she was like, yeah, I can't find time to do this. And I'm like, well, be honest with me. Like, do you watch Netflix? And she's like, well, yeah, I like me and my husband will watch that like one or two episodes a night. And I'm like, would it be possible like to work out during one of those, one of those episodes? And she's like, oh, that's allowed. I'm like, there's no rules here. <laughs> like, that's, If you can get it in, that's great. And I know all the dads listening right now. I mean, I'll bet money that at least one of them has like a wife that like, you don't want to look at your wife and say, I think you should start working out. But <laughs> like, if you're like cranking out a couple pushups while you're watching the show or something, she might look at you and be like, maybe I'll do some, or like, yeah. I'm going to do some squats while you do that. And then it kind of becomes a group thing and you just bounce off each other. And it can be a very productive thing as long as you throw the rule book out sometimes. Yeah. And I, I found too, like, this is a lot of times where I kind of get my mobility working. Um, uh, I, um, I, I have a very, um, I, I, it's something I neglected for years. And so um, just previous injuries and things like that. And so, yeah, like watching Netflix and that with my wife, after the kids are in bed, and this is when I'm down on the floor, you know, I got the foam roller, I'm doing some stretches and stuff. And it's like, I would much rather be laying on the couch, right? I'd be much rather not not having to worry about anything, but, you know, just finding things like that, like you're, you're going to thank yourself later on. And I think, I think the, the cool thing about fitness, like what I've learned about mobility too, and, but, but mainly about fitness, nutrition and stuff is typically like when you first get started, like it takes a lot more work, right? It, yeah. it takes a lot more work to kind of get in a routine, get to where you want to be, but then maintaining that Mo most people, I feel like at least with my clients, I know that like maintenance is something that many people have never actually experienced. They, they go through these cycles of losing weight and then they gain it back and then they lose weight and then they gain it back. Same thing goes yeah. with their workouts. They're very consistent. Then they do nothing. They're very consistent and then they do nothing. Right. And so getting to a point of maintenance is like, is, is something like most people don't even know how to do, right? They, they either, maybe if they hire a coach, 
they don't yeah. stick around long enough to actually get there. They get those initial results. They feel pretty good about themselves. And now what? Right? Like, because what got you there isn't going to necessarily be the same thing to do yeah. to kind of maintain that there. So how, how do you kind of, how do you work with um, your clients to try and make the, to kind of make this more of, I, I guess my approach is always like, this is a lifestyle. So how, how do you kind of, how do you, how do you make that shift from, you know, this is the phase where we got to like put a little bit more work in here. And then this is what, you know, you're going to be able to stick to. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head where a lot of people have never experienced the maintenance phase because like, let's be honest, like when it comes to most people, most people have like who have dieted to lose weight have lost a significant amount of weight. Like I talk to people every freaking week that are like, Oh, I lost 40 pounds. I lost 60 pounds. I lost a hundred pounds, but I gained it all right back because I was on Octavia or Weight Watchers and we don't have a weight loss issue really. Everybody has the grit or not everybody, but most people have the grit and the persistence to do the damn thing, but there's no maintenance afterwards. We have a weight maintenance issue, not a weight loss issue. And that really comes down to education and planning ahead because a lot of people, when they do their weight loss journey, they're like, all right, I'm going to lose 40 pounds. Then they get to 40 pounds and they're like, now what? <laughs> I didn't really figure this was going to happen. So I didn't know to plan for it. Right. And that's where things like reverse dieting come in, where like transitioning mentally, instead of focusing on lose the weight, lose the weight, hop on the scale, focusing on performance, focusing on strength gain, muscle gain, and things like that, or just feeling better in general, like improving mobility or like addressing some like nagging pains that might've come up. It really just comes down to that mental reframing of like, okay, the weight loss part of this journey is over. Now I want to work on a different part of my life. And fitness can impact so many areas of your life. Like for those types of people that really struggle with energy, I mean, let's be honest, when you diet, your energy is pretty damn low, especially if you're like doing it for a while. So bringing the calories up, including more healthy foods, trying to get more sleep, that could be the next phase if you haven't addressed that already. Now, a great program should teach you that along the way, but a lot don't. And a lot of people that are like white knuckle, it just focus on less food, more movement. So if that's you, next is let's get the energy back. And then that's going to allow you to be more productive at work, make more money, be more happy with your family because you actually have the ability to be there physically and mentally, be there for your wife, be there for a bunch of different things. And some people, like if you're going out with friends on a hike or like trip to Vegas, you don't want to be that guy that can't like walk down the strip with the rest of the guys. So for some people that could be the next free reshift in focus. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, even my perspective in the, you know, pretty recent uh, past here is like when I'm, you know, working with clients at first start, I, I kind of, we, we try and get them out of that mindset, you know, like this is something that we're going to do for 12 weeks, right? And I'm like, no, like th this is something like, and I think when I first started coaching clients, I was kind of afraid to do that because like people want results right away, you know, but it's not doing, it's not doing a service to them if, if I can't be honest with them. And so like the majority of my clients, almost every single one of them now always signs up for six months because you know, I'm realistic with them right up front. I tell them, you know, like you're going to see great results in 12 weeks. I can guarantee you that like you're yeah. going to see great results, but 
what's next, right? Just like you said, what's what's next? How how can we maintain this? And the people I, I had a client um, over the summer, he lost 25 pounds in 12 weeks. Like that's incredible progress. Yeah. Right. Like that that's really Man. fast. And you I always with, tell you work with the dads. That's gotta be so nice. I'm trying to convince <laughs> a bunch of women. I swear 10 pounds is great. You're only 150 pounds. 10 pounds is huge. <laughs> <laughs> well and I always but see I always got to frame it too because like the, the more weight you have to lose, you know, the easier it's going to be to, to, to lose weight. Right. So yeah. if you have 50 plus pounds, um, you're, you're, you're going to be able to get away with a lot more, right. You don't have to track as accurately. You can guesstimate on a lot of things, but once you get kind of closer to your goal weight, you know, progress slows way down. That tends to be about the halfway point, right. The, the, the point where people kind of give up, they think, Oh, yeah. I've got this figured out oh, I'm no longer doing this. I'm no longer seeing progress and stuff. And so I, I've really tried to make it a point to tell them like, these are the expectations, you know, like you're going to see great results. It's going to probably take you longer than you would like. But if we can solidify these habits over the next half year, you never have to do this again because exactly. you're going to continue, you're going to continue to lose weight. And, and that's why I try and like, I always tell them like, the, the beginning of the program can seem overwhelming because I'm trying to front load some things here because I understand I'm not going to work with you forever. <laughs> so I want to give you the tools, right? I want to give you the tools to help you succeed right away. Yep. And then we're going to work together to implement them and stuff. And I think, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's because maybe we're, we're on social media all day and we're, we're comparing ourselves to others, but like, I don't, and, and, and maybe I, I also feel like this is relatively new, right? I mean, if you look at history books and things like that, you look at our grandparents, like obesity, weight loss is still a fairly new concept, right? Like yeah, that, that like, generation of like, well, when they were a storm in Normandy, they didn't have to stretch. Right. They were a buck 30 driven yeah. wet, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> But that was also back before McDonald's ruled the world, right. before you had ads in your face with every delicious right. thing that you could have at your fingertips. Right. And, you know, like we live in, you know, probably the, the most advanced world we've ever had, right? We have everything we can, we can get food at our fingertips, right? And we literally don't have to go anywhere. I, 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 I literally did that for lunch. I literally yeah. <laughs> plugged in my Chipotle order, snagged yeah. it and ran home for this podcast. I mean, it's a little too easy. Yeah. And see, I went to Chipotle last night, but I went and got, I went and ordered it there like a, like a real American. No, I, like, <laughs> I waited in line like a true American. <laughs> <laughs> I found, I found my portion size of steak tends to be a little bigger if I, if I order it there, but. <laughs> oh, and sometimes you get away with the double order and there's a miscommunication. <laughs> that's honestly why I usually don't order it on the app. Cause I'm like, <laughs> if that's the, that's the uh, discount for standing there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, I, I think, you know, I think things like that though, like, we're, we're all kind of experiencing it together right this is it's a new world we we do have food and yeah. um you know food food is you know unfortunately like fortunately unfortunately however you want to look at it it's always around us everything we do we celebrate with food you know everything which is i don't you know i don't i don't think there's anything wrong with some of those things like i do i do the same thing but like if you don't have those tools if you don't have those habits you don't have somebody help kind of guide you then 
it, it, it can be a real struggle to kind of just, you know, get the initial ball rolling. Yeah. And I know I was actually uh, listening to, I think it was Lane Norton the other day and he brought up a good point. And he's like, listen, like food and the behavior surrounding it is one of the hardest things to curb because like, let's take addiction for example, because I know sometimes this is a touchy topic, but behavior is behavior. And some people don't have a healthy relationship with food. And I mean, when it comes to like alcohol, for example, over, uh, over here, for those viewing, <laughs> yeah, when it comes to alcohol, if you cut it out of your diet, you're not going to die. You're probably going to feel a whole lot better. When it comes to food, you can't cut out food from your life. You need it. So like telling like a cocaine addict, just have a little bit. How do you think that's going to work? Or like telling somebody that like is strung out on like heroin or something. It's like, just have a little dab. It's fine. Just a little bit and we'll go from there doesn't really work that way. Right. So it's a very complex topic. It's a very hard thing to navigate, but there are ways to do it. And it takes a little bit longer than we would like to. It usually doesn't work just cutting it out cold Turkey, but there are ways to slowly over time, get in a rhythm where you have a better relationship with food. And it's not such a white knuckle thing where you got to force yourself to diet. It's just, I enjoy eating this way and I keep my weight down. Yeah. And see, I was going to tell everybody that was sparkling water behind you, but that's, that's cool. No. That is gray goose. <laughs> and for size comparison, it's about yay big yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or no, sorry, Belvedere, Belvedere, his entire torso, but <laughs> that was, but no. that was a gift from like seven years ago. I still haven't finished it. <laughs> oh my goodness. But yeah, no, I, apparently I, I, when you turn 30, everybody gifts you booze. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah, I think, I think what you said there is kind of really important there about, you know, you're never going to stop eating, right? You never like, that's what you're going to do it every single day. Um, I'll let, I'll let, I'll let you answer this question, but I I've had, you know, multiple, like, I, I think food, like if you watch a kitty, if I watch my son eat, my son will always pass up on dessert if he's not hungry. I can't do that. Right. <laughs> like you, I I'm stuffed and there's cheesecake. I'm eating the cheesecake. Right. But yeah. kids, kids naturally kind of know, you know, they stop when they're full, you know, satisfied or they stop when they're satisfied. They don't wait until they're full. They're not feeling good. And they kind of realize if they are getting to that point, they just, they just stop. Right. But we yeah. kind of feel like we need to eat the entire thing. Right. Well, because they, I, I think we are like, uh, leftovers of the starving kids in Africa generation. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's, a. Uh, um, yeah, I had, uh, I, I think I had that conversation with uh, Jordan Syatt. He was on the podcast, uh, back, back in October, I think. And we kind of talked about that too. Like, all, you know, our grandparents, our parents, you know, kind of grew up in this generation of like, you got to finish your food. You got to finish your food. Well, no, you don't. Like I, like I always say, like we have refrigeration, <laughs> you know, like I can sit this sucker in the fridge for a week and it's still going to taste the exact same, but I have, I have a lot, like, I think a lot of our food habits come or they do come from what we, what we're, uh, who we learn from our parent, typically that's going to be our parents, right? Um, we're, we're modeling after those who we see do it. And so a lot of these, have, you know, it kind of starts with us. And so like my kids are young, so I, I try and be very like aware of some of the things, right? Like my wife and I always try and like, if I try something, I try not to have my immediate reaction. Like, oh, if I don't like it, I don't like That's okay. But I try not to say anything until my kids have tried it. First. Because if I already, oh, that's gross or something. 
they already have this in their head. That's terrible. You know, I don't want to eat that. So, and so yeah. I, I have, I have lots of clients who have told me over the years that, you know, they, they can't find any vegetables they like. They don't, they don't like, they, they only like certain foods and stuff. How do you, um, how do you work with clients like that? How do you kind of incorporate, not just vegetables, like you don't have to like everything. Like you don't like, I love protein, but I don't just, I don't have like 12 different sources of protein I cycle through, yeah. right? I have like two or three I like. So how, how do you kind of, kind of incorporate not just vegetables, but like proper nutrition into, into their diets? Yeah. Well, to address the veggies specifically, because that is a, a topic that comes up a lot, like people just do not like vegetables. And yeah. I think it is because of previous conversations with parents or with like grandparents, whatever, they were watching them and are like, eat your vegetables. And yeah. what's the natural reaction? No, I don't want to. Right. So it creates this like negative relationship with it. But I think the easiest thing to do for a lot of people is pick recipes that need to have vegetables in them. Like, a lot of people don't have such picky tendencies where it's like, I separate every single food on the plate or like, I only have chicken and mashed potatoes and that's mm -hmm. it. Like a, a lot of people can eat like say peppers and onions, for example, like on a cheese steak or on a, uh, like sausage and peppers, or like throw it into some eggs, like yeah. to have like a scramble, something like that. Or like, um, what I used to do as a kid is like, uh, mashed potatoes and corn, like mixing that yeah. up, like just the simple stuff where it's like, you start there and you're like, okay, so I'm not a veggie hater. I just have specific ones. And then from there you go and say, okay, if I like this one, then this one has a similar texture. Like if I like, if I like uh, uh, corn, then I probably might like peas and then give it a try and have an honest talk and say, do I like this? Or does my mind tell me I shouldn't like this? And then you kind of go from there. I mean, another big thing that's been helping like me specifically, because I am 100% that kid that hated vegetables. Like I love the steamables. Like part of the issue with veggies is the preparation. Nobody right. wants to cut them up. Nobody wants to like do all of that. Mm -hmm. I toss it in the microwave for five minutes and let it do its thing and boom, it's done. <laughs> like right. that's my biggest gripe with these people that are like, oh, the chemicals, oh, all of these things are horrible for you. It's like, I don't think the chemicals in a bag of broccoli are really what's going to make somebody fat or give somebody a horrible disease. I'm sorry, but like dangers in the dosage. And if something was truly that bad for you, the dosage would be like to the point where the FDA would step in and be like, no, no, no. <laughs> so right. that's my little rant on veggies. <laughs> No, I, I know that that's exactly, then that's kind of exactly what I do. It incorporated the things like you were just talking about Chipotle, right? That's like, I, I personally can have Chipotle every day. Um, I've kind of burnt my wife out on it. And so I got, I kind of have to um, cycle through a little bit, but yep. um, I, just adding those fajita veggies on top of it has been an, yeah. I, you see, I, I used to not do that. I used to just, I, I didn't want them on there. I like, uh, I, I could live without them. Now I don't even taste them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I just throw them on top. Or I mean, all those salsas have veggies in them. Right, right. And like things like that, like yeah. things like I, I think exactly. We're making it like too complicated. Like yeah. you, don't, you don't have to have, you know, a plate of carrots. You don't have to have this, but like things like you said, like a Philly cheesesteak or like something I'm already going to eat, throw it on top. Sausage and peppers, like you said, throw it on top. Yeah. You know, I, I like I like sauerkraut. I don't mm -hmm. think a lot of people do, but like, to me, that's just an easy way to throw sauerkraut on a, a sausage or something. 
Yeah. One of my favorite things to do is like de- not deconstruct, but like recreate a traditionally bad meal and make it better. Like Philly cheesesteak is easy. Instead of getting like a steakums packet and having these like really fatty cuts, get like maybe you can't afford a filet, but like a good sirloin or something like that, slice it up nice and thin. And now you have a leaner cut of meat with the peppers and onions. And maybe you get some like Sargento cheese and melt that on top. That's protein packed. It's got way more nutrients than like the local pizza place that'll put it together for you. Or like, have you ever done like a uh, Big Mac in a bowl? Uh Uh-uh. Basically, you just take all the ingredients of a Big Mac, like you can get like leaner beef too. Like if you wanted to do like Laura's lean beef, like 93.7 or 96.4, ground it up, cook it up, and then put like pickles, onions, all the stuff, all the dressing, like the um, secret sauce that they sell, like put a little drizzle of that and you have a Big Mac in a bowl without the bun. So now you have less calories. It tastes just as good, if not better and you have all these vegetables pickles lettuce tomato yeah. onion so there's there's a million ways to do it nice. i'm gonna write that down that that sounds good but <laughs> but i i think i think one thing that really helped me too um is i used to when i used to start cooking so um i never like who would have known salt and pepper a little bit of olive oil can change an entire meal right? I used oh to, my god like, it's incredible started, what those three can do exactly like when i when i when i was like in college you know kind of on my own for the first time i had a grill and i would cook and i'd be like man why doesn't my steak taste like <laughs> like like you know like why is it so bland and stuff i was like i know just a little bit of salt and pepper, you know and so like do that with your vegetables too like salt and pepper maybe a little you don't even sometimes you don't even need oil you know and it's like the air i love the air fryer i buy uh frozen frozen peppers and onions throw it in the air fryer that like uh the the microwave zucchini and squash like it's fantastic and it's like green beet canned green beans uh they're super cheap i eat one multiple times multiple times a week salt and pepper oregano like it's to- totally different. And I, I think, you know, like when you grow up, you're in the cafeteria at school, you know, your green beans are brown. Like, you know, you have like this negative connotation of it. Yep. And it's like, you, you kind of got to make it like, I, I don't think, and maybe you disagree, but I, I don't think you need a salad every day. Um, no. I, I, I not- have my people try it out for like three weeks yeah. just to see if it'll stick. And sometimes it does. I'll be honest, majority of the time it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm honestly like if, if I go to a restaurant and a Caesar salad comes with my meal, I'll eat it. But me personally, I'm not a huge salad fan. Um, and if I, if I really want to enjoy the salad, you know, I have to add all this other stuff to it and then it kind of defeats the purpose of, you know, yeah. uh, I'm, kind I'm of a low calorie option there. But. Yeah. I'm a bigger fan of the veggie at every meal rather than a salad every day. Right. Cause then you have some flexibility in there. Cause then you can kind of like make it a little more personal to the meal. And I just thought of this because, um, as we were talking about it, another good way to sneak veggies in is like plant-based foods. So like me being gluten-free, I hate that I am, but I have to be, um, like pasta alternatives, like chickpea pasta, red lentil pasta, like that stuff does count. So, I mean, like, if you have all this chickpea, like that's a ton of protein, ton of fiber and all the micronutrients of vegetables. So another way to get some veggies in. 
or yeah. like uh, your uh, zucchini squash or stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. No. And they and they make like zucchini noodles and stuff too. And yeah, like I I think those are great options. Um, but like they don't have to. I I, I think kind of that all or nothing thing too. Like people think like oh like I'm having a a veggie burger for dinner. Like you don't have to eat a veggie burger every time. You know what I mean? I was like. Yep. I'm not I, like I, I'm gonna eat, I'm gonna eat a beef cheeseburger because yeah. I like it, right? I, I'm not like you don't have to like uh, one one thing I used to make a lot, uh, probably 2018 or something. I think it came out. Uh, mm-hmm. Tom Brady, the TV12 method, came out with his book, and he had he had a recipe in there for avocado ice cream, hmm. and it is fantastic. It's avocados yeah. like cow powder, and it's super rich. But yeah. things like that, like better ingredients, probably it tastes awesome. But just because like some of those things are quote unquote healthier for you, doesn't mean it's going to, they still have lots of calories, like all these keto foods and yeah. stuff. They still have lots of calories and stuff. There are so, a lot of people that got fat on keto. <laughs> <laughs> right. I had, right. A, I had a client that got fat on intermittent fasting. Like that's hard to do. Yeah, <laughs> but it happens. It happens. You got to have a full, full approach. But um, yeah, I mean, I was actually, I just talked about this last night with uh, the clients that like some of those diet methods, like as much as we shit on them, their cookbooks are awesome. <laughs> like they have yeah. some really good recipes in the cookbooks. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, and I, I think like the, you know, the best diet is the one you're gonna be able to stick to. You're hitting all your nutrition and stuff. Yes. I, me personally, I don't like cutting out entire macronutrient groups. You know, um, I, I think there's too many benefits from all of them, you know? Yeah. And, and so like, I, I don't, I don't recommend that, but if you can follow something and stick with it, you know, go for it, you know, go find, find out what, what works for you. Right. Yeah. And as much as we shit on things like keto or like other ways like that, there's the right way to do it. And then there's the way that most people do it, which is usually the Franken foods are like, how can I still eat a shit ton of food without counting calories or counting portions and stick to this diet and blame the diet when I'm all done and I don't lose any weight. Yeah, exactly. And you you mentioned, you mentioned intermittent fasting there. And so I'm going to, that's a question I actually get asked about a lot, like intermittent fasting, you know, it's been around a long time. Um, And I I would say probably three, four or five years ago, it got really popular, kind of died off a little bit. Maybe it hasn't, maybe I'm just so numb to seeing it all everywhere (laughs) now. And so I still think there's some diehards out there. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I I think to be honest, I, I, I will be the first one to tell you, I did this for a long time. Um, and I, I started doing it kind of unintentionally. I wasn't a big breakfast eater. Um, and so I was like, oh yeah, I could push it off till lunch. You know what I mean? And I was like, yep. and when, when I was initially like, um, when I was like trying to lose weight and things like this, it made it so much easier to eat, not just to lose weight, like intermittent fasting itself, um, I'm sure there's some benefits to actually fasting. You know, we don't, we don't have to get into that, but the reason why it works so well is because it just, it closes your window on what you're going to eat. I was pretty strict. I'm not going to have my first meal till noon and I'm going to stop by eight. And so now I have eight hours of eating rather than, you know, getting up at six, going to bed at 10 or 11. I have, you know, 18 hours, you know, however many hours, you know what I'm doing. And so it just made it so much easier. It made it much, I, I should say, it made it much more difficult to overeat. 
I had to be very like, con- I had to pr- intentionally try and get, because there are times where it was difficult to actually mm-hmm. just hit my calorie goal there. And so yeah. like when you, when you have clients like, you know, maybe they're like me where they don't eat a huge breakfast. And I still, I still wait a couple hours when I get up usually, mm-hmm. um, unless for some reason when I'm at hotels, I always eat breakfast. Not sure why. Um, but for, for clients, for clients that, you know, this is something that they want to do. Is this something you recommend, something you talk about it or something you kind of stay away from? Yeah. So like with my initial onboarding call, I ask them straight up. I'm like, would you rather do like the traditional three and two, like three breakfast, lunch, dinner with a couple of snacks or like an intermittent fasting approach? And then I won't say it until it's like absolutely necessary, but there's also like a shift work protocol that I have where it's like, people that work like in hospitals and stuff like that, like they have one big meal to start their shift and one big meal at the end. That way they don't have to worry about like the craziness of the job and staying consistent with their meal timing. But the intermittent fasting, like, yeah, sometimes for some people it works incredibly well because for that reason, it's hard to eat that much in that window of time, especially with life obligations. And if the quality of food is high, it's damn near impossible to overeat. It's I mean, it is possible, but it's very, very hard to, if you're eating nothing but like high quality nutrient dense foods. Um, But like for anybody wondering that client that gained the weight in intermittent fasting, basically bought into the bullshit of like, this is magical. As long as I don't eat at this certain time, I can't gain weight and I'll probably lose weight. So during that eight hour window, it was like Philly cheesesteaks. It was chicken parms. It was like getting a double triple serving of ice cream at night, loading up on the pasta. And then as soon as that 8 PM or 9 PM hit, boom, he was done. And then he'd start right back up in the, uh, at noon. So it turned into this game of how much could I eat in this little window of time? And when that happens, when portions are not controlled, no diet works. Right. And, you know, I think what you said there, um, you know, if you're getting, you know, you're filling up your diet with uh, nutritious foods and things like that, you know, I, um, uh, people who tend to do keto who have success on keto is because, you know, they're filling out their diet with, you know, some of these, like these, these foods just packed with nutrients, right? Yep. Like, they're like, oh, I can have a ribeye. I don't have to get the strip steak. I can get the ribeye. It has more fat that's on keto. But a, a steak, you know, a 12 ounce ribeye is packed full of nutrients, right? Yeah. And that, that's going to fill you up way more than like a chicken breast, right? It's going to, it's just packed with so much more nutrition there. And like, yes, you're cutting out carbs, but think how much like nutrition you're adding in there. And so it makes it like, try and sit and eat a 12 ounce, you know, of of ribeye, like you're going to be pretty full, right? Like that's, you know, probably close to, you know, 800, 900 calories. Um, if you sat there and ate 900 calories of mashed potatoes, you can do that easy, right? It's just like, it's just like some of these things are just more filling for you and things like that. And you mentioned, um, you know, some, some of your clients, you know, having one big meal, um, Mm -hmm. me personally, if I have a really, so when I, uh, kind of in a cutting phase, trying to lose weight, like Chipotle, Chipotle is going to keep coming up because I eat it so regularly. But uh, what I'll do is I'll take half my half my meal, put it in a container, and I eat the second half later. Um, I, I I've found that if I wait, you know, an hour or two, eat that second half, that kind of goes as my snack there. If I eat that entire bowl, say I eat it at noon there, it's the same amount of calories as if I spread it out, but I'm still going to be hungry for a snack a couple hours later. And so do you, do you feel like, 
you know, having big meals, maybe it's just, you have to get used to it going long stretches there, kind of like the intermittent fasting, you can push it back. But do you kind of feel like your clients who do have, you know, just like a meal at the beginning of the shift, meal at the end of their shift. Uh, I work with some dad, you know, they're truck driving. They can't always like play in their meals. The third shift, they'll work in the graveyard shift or something like that. Um, do you find like, you know, th th that their body can adjust to that pretty well? Yeah, because when it comes to the meal frequency and the meal consistency, that's a really overlooked topic that not a lot of people pay attention to. And even taking it a step further and talking about the nutrients and the calories at each meal, like some people will wonder, like when they eat next to nothing for breakfast, they eat a really light lunch, and then they binge at night. And they're like, Oh, I don't understand why I'm binging. And it's like, because you haven't given yourself enough calories in the beginning of the day. So when you get into a rhythm where you're like eating at the same time, eating the same quantity of calories and ideally the same quality of food, then your body gets into a natural rhythm because you can actually make yourself hungrier just by having really inconsistent meal timing. Like if you're a breakfast, lunch, and dinner person, and then you switch to intermittent fasting tomorrow, you're probably going to be really hungry in the morning. But a month goes by, now you've adjusted to the intermittent fasting approach. Now you try and transition back to the three a day that breakfast is going to feel like you're force feeding yourself because you haven't had anything for breakfast at all. But our bodies are much more adaptable than we give them credit for. And as long as we stay consistent, they will adapt. Yeah. And I think that, I think that circles all the way back to what we started talking about, like, you know, kind of fitting things in fitting, you know, kind of get make, make you know, fitting things in when you're busy, right? Like when you start working out and you're really busy, like it's going to seem like stress, right? Every time you make a change, it's going to, it's going to seem like it's kind of overwhelming and stuff, but you're going to get used to it. Right. But yep. unfortunately, you know, people don't, don't give it a chance long enough. Right. And, you know, I, I don't know this side. I don't, I don't know if there's actually, you know, it's probably different for everybody. They say 21 days to make a habit, 66 days to make a habit, but like, yeah. it, it's not going to make a habit. Like you can have something, a habit, but once you stop it, right? It's no longer going to be a habit. So you, you know, you got, you have to find a way, kind of have to find a way to, to fit this in. And if that's one workout a week, if that's incorporating vegetables into just one meal a day, you know what I mean? Maybe one meal a week to start off if you have to and stuff. But I think kind of like what you said there, if you, if you can stay consistent, if you can, you know, fit some of these things into what you're already doing, like the path of least resistance there, like make it, make it, um, as easy as possible just to get started. I think long term, you know, you're going to look back and be like, you know, this, this isn't so bad. Right. But um, I, I always try like, uh, uh, I, I try not to call out other programs and stuff. But, you know, if, if, if you're doing a program that's making you work out twice a day for, let's say, I don't know, more than 70 days in a row or something like that, um, then chances are like, I, I've, I've never told, have somebody tell me like, I've been doing this for six years now. I've been doing this for a year now. They say, I'm doing this for the third time. I'm yep. doing this again because it's not, although you stayed consistent, mm -hmm. it's not something you can consistently stay consistent with, if that makes sense. Yep, absolutely. Sorry, my computer's dying. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I got a shift. Uh, here we go. Sorry. 
That's all right. We get a chance to look that. You still have your Christmas decorations up. Yep. I don't want to make you edit more than you have to, but here we go. That's cool. You know, we don't edit, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, what I was, uh, what I was going to say is just like, at, when it comes down to it, it's like habits are just a series of making the same decision over and over again. And when you make that decision, every time you do, it becomes easier and easier. The kicker is, are you making good or a bad decision? Is that decision getting you closer or further away from your goals? And when it's getting you closer and closer, it gets easier and easier. Yeah, and I, I think that's a, that's a good place to kind of wrap everything up there. There's a, uh, there's a book called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Ecker. And he, he talks about how we have um, doing habits and not doing habits. And everything that we're doing currently, we're in the habit of doing it. And the things that we're not doing, we're in the habit of not doing it. And so I think, you know, that... I think that kind of sums it up really well there. You know, it's just, if, if you can find something that you can kind of stick to and consistently do that, right? The first time, you know, I, I think momentum is something that's very overlooked. Like it's, there's momentum and getting started. Yeah. There, there, it's, it takes a lot of momentum to get the ball rolling and then you can kind of coast. It also takes a lot of momentum the other way as well, right? If you're, if you're, if you've somebody who's worked out three times a week for six years, and then you stop for a week, that's going to be really hard for you. It's really hard for me to rest. It's really hard for me to take time and like actually let things heal because I've been such in this mindset of I, I need to get this done. And so like, I, I feel like that's a decent spot to be, but can still be kind of dangerous as well. Cause then we get back into that all or nothing mentality again. Yeah, absolutely. But, absolutely. Brian, I think I think we covered you know a lot of a lot of good topics here today, um, and I, I think you have an interesting perspective on some things that I think is very beneficial, especially with dad, especially like talking about nutrition and things like that. Um, you know, if you're you work with moms over forty, you know, dads, you know, even if you're twenty, you're thirty, you're forty, you're fifty, you've been doing things the same way for a really long time, right? And uh, I, I don't think we give ourselves enough credit sometimes about the work we put in. Um, yeah. but I think you, you gave us some simple things that we can kind of focus on, kind of take away there and kind of make this a lifestyle and something that, you know, hopefully we can actually stick to and not just, you know, look for those quick results all the time. Exactly. When you get more mindset, like when your mindset gets more focused on doing it for life, rather than just knocking it out in 30 days, that's where everything starts to fall into place. Exactly. Well, Brian, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, I, I know you have a, a Facebook group, but you have your own podcast as well, and you're pretty active on uh, social media. So um, where, 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 can, uh, where can people follow you at? Yeah, so my Facebook group is The Fit 40 Family, Fit, F-I-T, 4-0 Family, and then the podcast is The Fit 40 Podcast. Um, and then as for social media, pretty much everything is coach underscore fits, F-I-T-Z-Z, the double Z. First one was the single Z was taken. Bastard. <laughs> oh, I made it all the way into without cursing until just now. <laughs> now you have to edit. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks again for coming on the show today. Um, if, if you're, if you're joining us late, um, you hopped in halfway through the episode uh brian was on the show back in october go back and look at that one i believe it's episode uh 37 and i'm sure we'll have him on again sometime so thank, thanks for coming on and uh, we'll talk to you soon thanks for having me 
Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and you're a new listener, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss another episode. And if you're a returning listener, I would love your feedback. If you could take two seconds to just leave a quick review on iTunes or Spotify and rate the show, that would be greatly appreciated. So thank you in advance and have a great rest of your week.